We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 118. Our guest today wears many hats in the equestrian industry. She is the lovely lady behind Heels Down Media, as well as Eco Gold. She knows so much about media and about creating products for the industry, so I thought she'd be the perfect guest. Um, I was also on Heels Down Happy Hour podcast a little while back, so I thought I'd have her on to chat a little bit about her life and what's been going on the past couple years, which there has been a lot. So we get right into that with this episode. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Patricia De Silva. Well, I would love to hear about Eco Gold. I'd love to hear about Heels Down. But how did you first get into the equestrian world? Well, first I went to take some lessons and then I fell off. And that was it. Love that. <laughs> no, I Very relatable that. to many. <laughs> exactly. I was about 12 and uh, I loved, I've always loved animals, any kind of furry thing. I pet all the dogs. I'm the annoying person. You know, if I go to a petting zoo, I have to pet the goats. Yeah. <laughs> and so I begged for writing lessons. And then I'm not that great with authority. So it's a sport where you have to do what they tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or So anyway, I, I ended up falling off. I was about 14 after a bunch of lessons. And then I would not get it back on. And that was it. And my trainer at the time, or the coach, she said I'd be an excellent groom. I guess that was, I wasn't that great of a rider, but I loved my, but my sister continued taking lessons there. My sister's older than me. And I loved like just hanging out with the horses. And then we stopped and then, you know, life happened. And then it just happened that I fell into this industry again. I'm not that interested with writing, but I love like the whole atmosphere. I love mm-hmm. writers. I love going to horse shows. I love yeah. the smell. I love everything about this industry. And I feel so lucky to, yeah. work, uh, to work in the industry. What did you do from that, that kind of in-between time when you weren't riding and when you hadn't really dove back into the equestrian world? Well, I went to school. I, I had a degree in uh, marketing at uh, university. And then I worked in the corporate world. I used to work for a big paper company, like photocopy paper. Okay. That's what we're doing. So I was in the corporate world. And then my parents had a, a small business. My father was a textile engineer. They were making backpacks at the time. And I just, it just happened that I met some writers, like I was, like I was older. And then we transitioned his business that was called EcoGold <laughs> into the Preston world, making saddle pads and half pads and whatnot. So that was in, in the nineties. Okay. What was your involvement with EcoGold at that time? I was like the, mar- I started the mark as a marketing VP. So my dad was the president. It's a small business. There were at the time, I think there were about five people and I, I, I took care of all, all the marketing 
And uh, I think like social media was just beginning, well, not in the 90s, but it was just starting in the, uh, I don't remember when, but I was doing, then I took over the social media and was creating more content. But I come like from the old school of marketing. Like there was no, well, there was internet, but it was starting. So like old school, but I feel that it's a great, it's a great way if you can keep current with what's going on. But at the same time, you had the training where you didn't have these tools uh, where, you know, it makes you appreciate how easy it is now mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to reach like millions of people. Totally. Which, uh, and that's how the business has grown so much because of, you know, social media and just having a website, you know, makes you able to sell your products or be seen by anybody in the world. Yeah. So there's no, no limit before, but before we used to go to the printer and make catalogs and like yeah. mail them to people. And uh, you had to do things like the old school way. So it, it gives you a lot of appreciation. And also, you know, it, it makes you not fear the future as much because you've lived through like not having internet, not having, mm-hmm. you know, when, when the algorithms, for example, change it's the end of the world if yeah. that's all you've known. But if you're able to understand like marketing, like it doesn't matter. Like it's just a tool, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you have a good product or if you have a good you know, brand, wherever that brand is, you will survive. Like you'll find a way, whether it's email, whether it's like writing letters and mailing them or, you know, whatever the future uh, yeah. is, it makes you a little bit less scared, I think, of, of because change is, is constant. It's something that, you know, like maybe there's not going to be Instagram in 30 years. We'll have something else, but you know, people will still need stuff. They will still need to be entertained. Uh, They want to connect with people. So maybe it's different tools. And uh, it's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine that I've known like since 40 years, that's a lot, but, and I said, like we didn't have cell phones. How did we meet? Like we went to the movies, for example. Like how did you guys, did we guys meet? Because we didn't have cell phones. I'm yeah. like, hey, are you here? He said, and then the girl goes, we just showed up on time. That's what we did. <laughs> yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> we just showed up on time, but at the location. Yeah. But but it's I I think it makes you you know there's people who don't want to evolve mm-hmm. and want to like are, are fearful of what's coming and they want like their, you know, how it was, but things never are never how, how they are like in, in the past, like they always evolve. So, you know, not be afraid of, you know, the, whatever tools we have now, they can change and mm-hmm. the algorithms and, you know, whatever that is, we have to breathe and, you know, like say if we have a good product, if we have a good, brand if you have a good service if people people will seek you out wherever totally be a one-trick pony yep that's a good point speaking of media at what point did you start diving into that area of the industry well what's funny is that like the the business of marketing evolved from more of an entertaining aspect I think that just when you're trying to sell a product just you can't just be sell, sell, sell. You, you have to entertain. I think as a social person, I've always been interesting, 
of like people's stories. And I think that's the, the, you know, the best advertising is tells you a story and inspires you. It's not about just buying something. So in 2011, the, I started a blog that would be for amateur writers and uh, hearing different stories. So people would write their stories with their horses. And I'm a, an avid reader. So I would, I would, in the day of Blogspot, I don't know if you are too yeah. for that, but back <laughs> in the day, in the early days of blogging, I was, I loved, there were a ton of writers that had blogs and I read all of them. And sometimes I, I commented and I commented as equal and people were like, oh my God, like a big brand just commented. And it was just me. <laughs> and, and, and I thought, what a cool thing that I just made someone's day because I commented. And then it evolved in social media, Instagram, Facebook. And I think that, you know, if you just want to work and sell stuff, that's one way of doing things. But I think this this business and this industry really opens the door to just connecting to a, a bunch of really interesting, cool people and that have stories that do all kinds of jobs and they're united by their passion for the horse. And, you know, it's always been, I, and I'm always curious. I'm generally interested in other people's stories. So I think that that's how I evolved in media. I said, well, why don't we just, you know, have a spinoff and have heels down and we do it full time as, as its own thing. And that's how it evolved. So then we started a podcast, Heels Down Happy Hour, and now we have the Heels Down Brief, which is a, a daily newsletter. So there's different kinds of ways to connect with people. And we have the website, heelsdownnet.com with, with stories. There's a lot of like first-person accounts and uh, opinions and things like that. So I'm not that interested in like who won this horse show. It's not about that. It's really yeah. about the lifestyle of the writing. Mm -hmm. And it goes across disciplines. It goes across ages. There's people who are friends, uh, you know, they have friends in their twenties and their sixties and their sixties. And that's right. the cool thing about farm buddies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the cool thing about this sport. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so cool. As you were starting um, to work and do heels down, what were some of the highlights that kind of stick out in your mind? And then what were some of the challenges that you faced when starting something new like this in, you said, 2011? Yeah, well, heels down was 2014. The Highlight, well, the, the website we had before was Horse Junkies United. Mm -hmm. And the highlight is that we won Equestrian Canada's Media Award, wow. which usually they give to an individual. But for us, they did it for the whole blogging site. Cool. So everyone won and it was great. And so that was a, that was a, a cool thing. And then for challenges, I think it's a... I think the biggest one is is getting known. When you start something new, the challenge is is really to, you know, the, usually there's players that are already established, and it's making your way in that market and gaining an audience, gaining people's trust when they don't know you. You know, maybe you publish an article and they think, oh, it's about this, but no, 
like keeping people coming and keeping them interested and not just, you know, not just click an article once on Facebook, but getting those people that are the loyal uh, loyal audience. Yeah. I, I feel like pretty quickly you had a, a nice little community going of people who were both contributing and being um, highlighted and then reading themselves as part of the community. At what point did you decide that you wanted to add a podcast to Heels Down? Well, I'm good friends with Glenn from the Horse Radio Network. Yeah. And I always thought that the podcast, well, he has Horses in the Morning, which is great. It's like a radio show, yeah, a morning show. But the other podcasts that I, that I listened to there were very discipline-specific and performance-specific. So you have like the dressage show at that time, the eventing show. And it was like, you know, about the top writers that won the, the horse show. So it was sure. very much like that. And his, his show in the morning was not it was more like a wider spectrum of different topics but mm-hmm. I thought what was missing is kind of like I don't want to say the millennial experience but it's that that age group like people in their 30s or 40s or 20s maybe mm-hmm. uh, but like the younger like young adults that maybe have different interests mm-hmm. that are not just writing, but they talk about all kinds of things like people are getting married and their first home. I think like I'm very interested by that age group where there's a lot of decisions like in your twenties yeah, where it's like, you're getting your first job. It's like maybe like you, you, you have to decide like, do you want kids now or maybe later? Or, right. you know, there's a lot of decisions. So I find that age group very interesting and you're, you're an adult, but at the same time, like there's so much in front of you. So at that time, I'm like, there's nothing really that uh, is connecting to that experience. And, you know, I pitched that idea and I said, you have the morning show. How about we do like the late show? Yeah. uh, down happy hour. We do it with drinks. Like you guys do the coffee with horses in the morning. We do late night. The cocktails. Yeah. (laughs) Because I feel that that's the, so it was more the idea of the concept and how fun it would be and then he thought it was a great idea and put it together Justine was working Justine Griffin who is one of the hosts and uh, Jessica Payne that I've known forever she has a degree in like equine nutrition cool and she's a writer and she's married to Doug Payne now but you know it's these people that I've known and I said you'd be great you'd be great on a podcast you talk all the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then now we have Ellie, who's amazing. And she came through. We said when we, you know, we had another host and she left. And we said, what are, what are we going to do? And I said, wouldn't it be great if we opened that up to like fans? And we had fans like, you know, do a video and apply for that position. Cool. And this way, it's not just hiring someone for a job, but someone mm-hmm. who is a fan of the show. And, and so Ellie was Nika was the show. Like she was hysterical. She's hysterical. <laughs> and uh, she's, we have those three uh, girls that, that do the show twice a month. And, awesome. uh, and I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I think that you have to have joy, like for people out there that are looking for a job or a career, like you have to find joy every single day in your job. Like it doesn't matter what you do. 
and it's not fun the whole day. It's mm-hmm. not, it's, it's not like butterflies and uh, rainbows, right. but I think that if you can find something where you find some kind of joy, whether it's with the people you work with or your boss inspires you or your clients or, you know, whatever that is, that's very important. Totally. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I, um, definitely at the core of who I am and my passions are the things that I do on a day-to-day basis, but you're right. I think sometimes, and especially with social media, you definitely showcase a highlight reel. And I think that a lot of times for, for us that really love our jobs, it sometimes comes across that it's not a lot of work and it's like, Oh man, it's a lot of work. I have so many different like little areas as do you with being multifaceted in the industry. And so you have lots of different hats, but it seems like all the different areas are things that are near and dear to your heart. Yeah, it has to be fun. I think uh, you need to know why you do things, mm-hmm. like knowing your why. Like I know like it's been said, but yeah. it, and sometimes like it makes sense for a while and at some point it doesn't make sense and you you shouldn't be afraid to stop something that is not working, doesn't right. make you happy anymore or yeah. is, is not right. Like we've stopped a bunch of things. I think it's important not to pivot all the time and be like, you know, going in all kinds of directions. But I think at the core, you have to think what the values are and what your, you know, where your future is or where you're going, have some sort of a path and figure that out. But also no matter what, like to be successful in anything, you have to work hard like that, you know, and especially in media or in social media, Uh, A lot of people think because you take photos, for example, in your case that, oh, you know, you just took a photo, but you probably thought, (laughs) (laughs) but but it's like, oh, like if it's a brand deal, like you have to think of, like it's all the work Like you probably put like six hours of work Mm -hmm. in that one shot. Yeah. Uh, But it's when people, you know, copy you that they see, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I wanted to say a huge thank you to our sponsor today, Bit and Bloom. You might have seen some of their pieces if you follow me over at My Equestrian Style, but Bit and Bloom is a new feminine and technical activewear brand for all equestrian disciplines. Founded by a fellow rider and apparel designer, the subtle details and whimsical prints on their riding tops are meant to elevate your everyday rides. As a small, feminine-owned and operated company, they are passionate about protecting animals producing responsibly and lowering the environmental impact. They portray a diverse community of horsewomen where the love of the horse is of utmost importance. You can check them out over at bitandbloom.com. That's B-I-T-A-N-D-B-L-O-O-M.com. And as fellow podcast listeners, you can use code equestrian15, that's equestrian15, to save 15% on your first order. Thank you so much, Bitten Bloom. All right, let's get back to the episode. Switching gears a little bit, I would love to hear, because in the past few years, you've transitioned into a different role as heading up EcoGold, following in your, your father's footsteps. Tell me a little bit about how that transition went from being a part of like marketing to then making these huge decisions for the company. How did, how was that for you? Well, it was a very difficult transition. My father got sick and within 10 days he, he died. 
Wow. And so he was training me at the hospital and, you know, with the, with the accounting system, with the, and he was telling me like, this is a good business. Don't, you know, like make sure you, you keep it going. Wow. And you know, it's, it's very emotional because like that business is my dad. Mm-hmm. So all the decisions that I take, I'm always thinking like, would he be proud of this? Big shoes to fill. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, wow. But since then, now we have seven employees and, uh, you know, those people, that was my first concern. You know, these people we, we need, I need to get it together to make sure these people have, have a job. You know, by Christmas and then the pandemic hit and then that was, we were shut down for two months. Right. And uh, then I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And thankfully my dad had built like a good business. So I was able to keep them. Uh, I said, don't worry, uh, I'll take care of you guys. So for two weeks, like we paid their salaries, like we were shut down because I'm like, like these people won't be able to eat, you know, without a salary. And then the government kicked in and they said, we're going to help you and give like $500 a week to anybody that's been laid off because of COVID. And then like, it was fine. But at the beginning, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. Right. And I wrote this blog post saying, look, we're shut down, but like you guys can still buy online and people, people placed orders online and our online sales were like bigger than our normal sales online, like a normal month. So people really, really supported us. And we got messages saying like ship whenever you like, I love you, Google, don't worry about it. And these people, like, I can't tell like how much it meant to us. Wow. That's so cool. I mean, I feel like everyone's experienced uh, a unique version of, you know, yeah. coronavirus and, and their whole situation. But it's really cool to see some of the positives and the beauty of something so detrimental and, and catastrophic potentially for businesses and for employees and employers. So the fact that there was such a like outpouring of love and support yeah. to EgoGold that I'm so happy for that. Yeah. And I was, I was very uh, blown away and we couldn't ship. And I was like, you know, like these people are just doing this to be nice. Yeah. And then I knew we, we would be okay. Like totally. once that happened, the government did a great, great job. Like in our case in Canada, like we got money right away. Everyone got money right away. So we were, we were fine, but we were shut down for two months. But all these people that supported us, you know, it's with one saddle pad, $170 at, at a time, you know? Yeah. yeah. And we were able to pay. We came back on May 11th. We paid like all our suppliers, we paid our rent, we paid everybody. And they're all, you know, every supplier that we have is mostly small businesses too. So, you know, we, we took care of everybody and mm-hmm. our employees all came back. You know, you weren't sure, like, are they going to get another job? Or right. <laughs> everybody came back. They were so happy to come back. And then we were, you know, thankfully uh, we, we continue, but that was a big, that was my transition into this job. It's wow, it's not been easy. It's been quite a challenge, like the beginning, like, you know, all those circumstances, but, and then uh, the pandemic has been very challenging. So 
I'm hoping by next year we can relax and go on vacation. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was I was very hopeful that we could do something on Christmas, but we we couldn't see anybody. Mm-hmm. So you know that's that's been my my thing. But I love it. I think that it's fun. I've been you know doing both equal and heels down, and uh, each had their own challenges and Mm -hmm. they have their own different parts of the brain that you work, but it's fun. What does this next year, I mean, obviously there's still a, a, a touch of uncertainty to this year as well, but where do you see Eco Gold and Heels Down going in this coming year? Well, let me talk about Heels Down first. So Heels Down, the challenge has been what we're going to do with social media. And I, I really feel that social media is in a is in a transition mm-hmm. where I realized like this year and while I was going through, you know, all this personal stuff yeah, <laughs> stuff uh, that it, it distracts me or it, it's a distraction and we waste a lot of time, like just reading crap. Yeah. And what's more important is really the connection that we have with others. So we almost need to, find like safe spaces or spaces that uh, make us feel good or make Mm. us learn or because if not you're just wasting a lot of time especially this year with the pandemic there was a lot of anxiety like a lot of posts or you know even politically Mm -hmm. on social media I I feel like it's been a year of like a lot of anxiety yeah and you and, and I feel that social media almost accentuates that so like for me it was like finding ways where you can reduce the noise and we feels down as being a part of that saying like people are so stressed out how can we contribute to making people feel less anxious mm-hmm. and feel good and i think for us it's been the we have a facebook community called the heels down happy hour lounge and th- then the newsletter where we don't put anything that could potentially upset people Mm -hmm. Uh, we try and be funny and have things that make you spark but you know not contribute to that right (laughs) so it's finding ways on the podcast I think it's something that's soothing someone we had a Christmas party on zoom with with our community and someone said well I've been stuck by myself in a house like for all these months and I listen to your podcast to make me feel like I have friends. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, you know, it's and an email also, like that's direct. Uh, so finding ways to that are more direct and don't contribute to the noise, you know? Mm-hmm. And at some point we're like, oh, you have to grow your Facebook. You have to grow your Instagram. And we said, no, you know what? Like, let's just build on that relationship that we have with people. Mm-hmm. And we just had a, you know, we, we wrote an article saying what we were going to do this year. And it's like, follow us on, on, on the heels down brief, which is our newsletter, mm-hmm. listen to our podcast and come in that group. And we had these three things and we're not going to be focused on vanity metrics and all that stuff. Like right. how many followers you have, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They can change the algorithm. They can, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, so let's build those those true relationships and let's be patient and build it one person at a time that finds us and they go, this is cool. And, you know, I want to join this group of crazy 
people. Yeah, I so love that's, that. That's where we are. It's it's a it's a, almost like the slow cooking or the slow food movement. Yeah, of taking our time and not being rushed because it's better to go for quality uh, than to have those vanity things or you know start all these Instagram pages or do all mm-hmm. these things that contribute to the noise. Mm-hmm. So I think mindfulness and that kind of aspect I truly believe in like you know the Marie Kondo your life uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. making things like simple and minimizing mm-hmm. so we're you know I think like externally we're not gonna maybe you're not gonna see us as much like if you're just a casual viewer mm-hmm. or casual you're not gonna see us as often on Instagram but it it doesn't mean that we're not working we're not but it's just in a different way. Yeah. Emailing people directly, mm-hmm. just having those uh, conversations with people and not necessarily just posting inflammatory things so that they go viral and you know, that sort of thing. Like yeah. we're very, you know, we want people to get along. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to have like 20,000 people that like comment on a blah, blah, blah with like mean things. Like sure. Yep. stuff yeah and then where do you think things are going as far as eco gold for 2021 eco gold like we've grown like since like you know despite the pandemic we had a better year in 2020 than we had in years before I don't Uh know how we did it but you know we I think that I developed a new half pad called the flip mat which is amazing it's a it's a reversible cool Uh, I don't have here, but uh, yeah, it's a reversible half pad that's shimmable. So I like that was my first baby. Wow. Uh, like, I'm so excited. And it's doing super well. And I'm very excited. So I think 2021 for for equal is going to be a year of growth. Like I hope like it's growth in numbers, but it's gonna be growth in all kinds of ways. Yeah. And I think you'll probably see us more. A lot of more stores are coming to us. They love that. It's made in North America. Mm-hmm. We source our materials in North America. Like, and it's funny because these these messages of you know things making made locally, people make making stuff with their hands. Like we saw it with people making bread. It's almost like cool now that we've been in business for thirty years, and that was the mentality. Like from the beginning, is making things ourselves and not you were a hipster with that idea exactly we were hipster (laughs) before it was cool to be hipster but I think and this year it's funny because you know there's a lot of talk about diversity Mm -hmm. and it's something that you know we're in the I think it's the the most multicultural neighborhood in in the country Hmm. so there's over 70 languages uh, spoken at one kilometer uh, wow. in a mile. So it's very multicultural where we live. It's called Côte de Neige, an area of Montreal. And, you know, we went to school with people from everywhere. And, you know, now people are discovering that it's you're enriching your life by being connected to all these people from different backgrounds. Yeah. And like it's a, like we've, I've always lived in this neighborhood, the factories in this neighborhood. And I love, like I could move to a different one. 
but I love, I love being here. Yeah. And I love having all these, you know, people from different cultures and the equal office. Like we have seven people from seven different countries, hmm. you know, and everyone has their cultural, you know, their different foods and their different traditions. And I feel that it's, it's such a, a richer and not, not in money, but in, in human and human experience. And I think that, you know, like uh, oftentimes we associate and it's funny because in business, like you're supposed to make, you know, the, the idea of business is just monetary, mm-hmm. but I feel that, you know, there's a human wealth and you have to contribute to that in business as well. So it's the welfare of the workers is the the product and the service and making clients feel good. And in this case, it's the horses. So I feel that that is, is, you know, you don't see it on a balance sheet. Right. But it should be part of your values, the way you do business. So that's why we say, like, it's ethical manufacturing, because it's not just, like, the pursuit of profit. Like, there's – because if you pursue profit, but then – you know, you're not taking care of people. Like you're making things in sweatshops where like you're, you're taking, you know, there's, there's not, you're not complete. I think like you have to be a good uh, citizen as well. I think that's a really good point. On that same note, what would be an area of the industry that you are passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either doesn't know a lot about, or doesn't talk that much about? Well, I'm really passionate about the regular rider or the amateur rider. That's, I, th- I feel that it doesn't get as much of a voice as it should. Okay. I think that the industry, whether it's the, I don't want to categorize the media, but of course, like a lot of the, what we see is results and these professional riders have won here, here, here. And we don't hear a lot about just regular people and their experience and uh, the connection with the horse. And because that, you know, that's less interesting to most people. They go, oh, you know, it's just my normal life. I go to work or I go ride. <laughs> you know, it's less interesting. But I find uh, regular life and regular people fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think other people do too. And what we talked about before about your worth within the community and as an equestrian is sometimes a struggle if the focus is always on the top of the top of our sport, you know, versus the overall majority of the equestrians, which is your everyday you know your everyday rider. So I think having a space that really highlights, all different areas of the industry, which you truly do feel like is really important and is a big encouragement to a lot of riders and and people within the industry. Yeah. Confidence is a, is an issue with people. They feel that they're not good enough. They don't jump high enough. They're always comparing themselves to someone with a nicer horse or, Mm -hmm. you know, so it can become frustrating and it's, uh, it's normal to always look at what you're missing versus what you have. And I want to put the focus on, Hey, you know, your connection, you should celebrate that. You should celebrate the fact that, you know, you can do this. 
Yep. We could all use that for sure. (laughs) Well, Patricia, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I love everything you're doing at Heels Down and with Eco Gold, and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.